welcome to the fifth installment of Tour Guide Tales, folks. I'm stoked to inform you that you can also finally find us on Apple Podcasts, so we're pretty official now. I also broke down and started an Instagram account. Handle is at Tour Guide Tales Podcast, so please follow along and share any photos that may help give your stories more context in the future, guides. So for today's episode, just as a heads up, I probably wouldn't listen to this one over a nice meal, or right after a nice meal for that matter. Basically, make sure you have access to a toilet just as a precaution, and perhaps throw some earmuffs on those kiddos while you're at it. Now I hope I'm not spoiling Santa Claus here for anyone, but just in case you all didn't know yet, everyone poops. There it is, the myth is broken, and because our days are so loaded, pun intended, we don't always have the luxury of finding a proper toilet to do our business. Thankfully, we're all trained in leave no trace principles and know how to properly dispose of our business when duty calls. And trust me, it's our absolute favorite thing. When we pull up to a gas station, we turn off the ignition, and then we watch all of our passengers scamper on to the restroom and form a nice big line as we are truly about ready to blow ourselves. I'm not proud of this, but in desperate times, I may or may not have temporarily locked my younger groups in the van while I darted to the bathroom first. That's called self-preservation mode, people. And in case you haven't figured yet, not all aspects of being a tour guide are super glamorous. But I can assure you, we're all the more adaptable people for it. Many of us relish in the opportunities to embrace being uncomfortable, and we spend much of our time encouraging our customers to do the same. And sometimes that means we all have to get creative together when shit happens. On today's episode, I'm excited to finally share several stories, including a few of my own, about guiding in contexts outside of the open road too. We begin this episode with a tour guide tale, not from the road, but rather from the open ocean. This guide has had the pleasure of also being a scuba dive instructor all over the world. And you've got to get pretty crafty when duty calls under the sea. Okay, so I was working in Indonesia as a scuba diving instructor. And I was on this like tiny remote island. Like it was a 15 hour ferry to the mainland. The little like resort or like bungalows that I worked at. We had to like bring water over from one of the other islands. It was just like, it was very basic. And so all of our dive sites that we were going to were in the vicinity of our island, except for we would do day trips occasionally if people paid more to an island that was about like an hour and a half boat drive away. And it was like a very recent volcanic island. And there's amazing reefs there and there's like no settlements on the island. So it was very like undiscovered. And so we had one of these trips booked and we had, I don't know, probably like six to eight divers. So it was me and one other dive guide that were going along to like lead the trip. So we leave for these trips really early in the morning because that's like when the weather is the calmest and the best diving conditions. So we leave at like 5.30 in the morning and do our hour and a half boat ride out. Get there at like 7 a.m. We've all been drinking like shitty Indonesian instant coffee along the way. And so right about the time that we get to the dive site, is when I feel my morning dump coming on. 
<laughs> and the plan for these trips is usually like do two dives off the boat. And then after our dives, we pull up to the island, have lunch like on the beach, and then go back. But that's, you know, from 7 a.m., two dives later, get to the beach. Mm -hmm. That's like noon. I know this dump can't wait five hours. <laughs> and so we're gearing up. And, like, it's very, like, calm water at the surface. Like, people will jump in to, like, pee. But I know I can't take a shit right next to the boat <laughs> because everyone's going to see. And so before we enter the water, I ask my fellow dive guide if, like, he can lead for the first bit. Because usually on these dives, like, if you have a big group, you do, like, one guide in the front and then one guide in the back, like, a sweeper to make sure that everybody is going. And the way that the underwater topography at this specific island worked was it was all, like, wall dives. But the wall was very, like, ribbony, I guess. Like, there were a lot of inlets and crevices and stuff. So you'd go really slowly along, going into the crevices, like looking at everything. It's probably a 60-foot wall, just like straight down with these undulations. Cool. And so with diving, you always go to your deepest depth first. Because the way that pressure works on your body, you need to like start at the deepest and then work your way shallower. So we go down... And the pressure only has a further laxative effect on my bowel movements. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can't go any further. So um, I signal to my French coworker in front of me, like, oh, you, you keep going. And so they're going along, like, looking at all the fish, boop, boo, you know, there's turtles and stuff. I duck into one of these inlets in the wall. Now, I'm wearing a wetsuit, and then you have your BCD, which is like your jacket that inflates and deflates to control your buoyancy, and that's attached to your scuba tank, which is attached to your mouth via a hose and your like breathing apparatus, the regulator. So, in order to get my wetsuit off, I have to take my full BCD off and like neutralize my buoyancy for both the BCD and my body so that we can hover without me floating to the surface or my like tank sinking to the bottom. So I do that, I have it in That's front of me and I'm like holding my BCD with one hand. I manage to grab the zipper for my wetsuit that's <laughs> behind my back, pull it down, shimmy my wetsuit down until I'm, it's like at my knees. And then I have my bathing suit to deal with. Get that pulled down, one piece by the way. Oh, so oh my God. <laughs> I'm in this little inlet, naked, <laughs> hoping nobody, like, follows a turtle back towards me, hoping they're just, like, continuing on their, like, unidirectional oh. route along the wall, and I take a massive dump underwater at about, like, 60 feet. Well done. Yeah. But then there's, like, the question of wiping. Like, a wetsuit isn't a normal material. You can't just, like, throw that in the washing machine. Not that we had washing machines, yeah. you know? And so I'm like, all right, so wiping, what am I going to do? Well, <laughs> with diving equipment, you have, like I said, you have that regulator that goes to your mouth. You always have an alternate one in case something were to malfunction with yours or if your buddy were to run out of air that they could breathe from your cylinder and, like, you guys could go up together. So I take my alternate. So I have a hose attached to my mouth and I have a, another hose, put it under my ass, 
use my other hand to spread my cheeks and push the purge button. Which the purge button oh means God. it just releases a blast of it's like bubbles. An underwater bidet. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like a reverse bidet. Yeah, so as you can imagine, tits hanging out, just like bent over with my butt up so that like in case the bubbles float up, they don't have shit particles floating up to my face. Blow it out. I managed to like, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, let's get this shit back together. So I like pull my wetsuit up, zip it back up, get back into my BCD and take a look back at my shit. And I see fish coming from all directions <laughs> to feast on my floating feast. defecate. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, again, hoping none of the tourists that are in front of me notice all the fish leaving with haste from the reef that they're looking at and headed back towards my direction and wondering, hmm, why is my dive guide not behind me? <laughs> Luckily, no such thing happened. Managed to get it all back together and get back to the group with, oh, without any notice. God. <laughs> Holy shit. That's impressive. Dude, the technical stuff that, of like... That's technical. Yeah, no, the technical me. bits make it so impressive. And insane. Shit. That is my favorite shit story. Man, oh man. Is Michaela a professional or what, y'all? I commend her on such diverse set of underwater skills. Next time you go scuba diving... Don't forget to bypass the offer on that morning coffee. Now, I hope you enjoy this next round of a few shorter stories where a few friends and some brothers and I share in the day-to-day -day reality of when our passengers aren't around and what you gotta do when it comes for you. This is how we do Oh, it was it was on the Indiana Sprint because it was like one of the first days of us driving toward Indiana and Brooke was driving that day and we stopped at Qdoba for lunch. And at no! the, I know. I know. I'm fucking Qdoba. I swear I swear to you I probably haven't had Qdoba since that day. I promise you. And this was like, you know, right around that time where I'm trying to like impress Jack or like play it cool and stuff and we both were in the backseat of the van together and I was like oh oh things are changing and I asked Brooke like please pull over at the nearest gas station first one is burnt down and then she keeps driving down <laughs> she keeps driving down the road and this is like a fairly remote stretch of road I don't know if you remember this at all Stacy and I'm like Brooke yeah just just you know as soon as you can next gas station would be great and then she gets stuck in conversation with whoever's in the passenger seat misses the next interstate I exit think that was me. probably you and I was like Brooke for the love of God <laughs> pull over immediately and like she just had to get off the next interstate exit would had nothing I pull out of the van and go shit in a bush right next to the interstate. <laughs> like, thank you, everyone. Come again. Somebody once, I think it was when I was working at this summer camp, said that almost every adult has a I pooped my pants as an adult story. For sure. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally forgot that. I was at the Yosemite Bug Hostel. Good old bug. And I felt... So fucking sick, but basically all I had to shit and I could not make it to the toilet. Like, I don't know what happened. And so in front of my van, by all these cars, I just start shitting. I was like, I have Dude. to shit. It was like probably like.
11 or 12. <laughs> Desperate times. And so I, it was so bad. I think I might have been wearing a dress. I'm not quite sure now to think about it. But I felt so sick. And I just dug a little hole after and, like, piled it up. Nice. It was so, I was like, I hope no one comes out here. Because it's literally in the fucking parking lot. I feel like I want to share this, even though I probably shouldn't. Um, I had a dedicated water bottle to pee in it. Nice. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you always had to let people know, don't drink that water bottle. Not that one, please. But you wouldn't do that with them in the van, would you? No, no. <laughs> okay, I'm like, whoa, bro. That's next level. <laughs> Everybody close your eyes for five seconds. No, mostly on sprints and... When the van was empty. If I had the same setup, but, I would absolutely do the same thing. Yeah, I don't think I was the only one doing that. Not at all. No, I have to admit, staying in the van overnight, I always had one. Nice being a guy and everything. Yeah. And I'm sure my passengers wouldn't have enjoyed that thought, but there was no way in hell I was going to get out of the van at 4 a.m. and walk to the bathroom like three blocks. <laughs> that oh. just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. That became, you know, I think... A lot of the girl guides especially can say that we're professional bush peers at this point. And that was like a small goal to, to find the most Barbie doll trip each trip and be like, you know, at one point you're going to bush pee on this trip. It's just going to, it's going to happen. I wonder if any, any of you'll hear any stories about people using the Shiwi. Um, I don't know any chicks that had one. I'll share one quick one with you, especially because we were talking about Amarillo. Um, but you know they had the little camp, the cabins at the Amarillo KOA. Uh -huh. After my first trip that had like crazy apocalyptic weather, I was like, "Fuck this place! I'm gonna always book a cabin after this." I had a few small groups, so we were able to just shove into one cabin pretty easily. And uh, I'm your typical midnight peer, I guess, if you will. But I woke up early and like just shuffled out of the cabin. And the bathrooms were so far at that campground that I literally just like squatted next to the cabin, but I'm blind without my contacts. And I'm like sitting there squatting. And I realized that there is an entire family with three small children, like packing up their minivan and they can definitely see me. <laughs> chilling. What's up guys? Happy morning. Safe travels. Have a good day. Yep. <laughs> Top of the morning. This next story comes again from off the road, but in an industry that many of our guides and our passengers can appreciate. Good old summer camp. For some of us, like myself, we never went to summer camp, so guiding is a surefire way to make up for that hole in our past. Anywho, this one begins a bit serious, but takes a turn for a much lighter load. Again, pun intended. I lose it every time. Enjoy this one. It's, so it's funny now, but it's actually very alarming when it happens. <laughs> it always is. And, no, but like like a health scare alarming. Oh. Um, yeah. I was working, I was actually, it's funny because it was like the same summer camp where we I first learned like almost every adult has a poop your pants story. <laughs> I was working in the summer camp and I got a concussion. One of the guys I was working with like flipped me over. I thwacked my head. I got a concussion. I'd never had a concussion before. So I was, like, taking it easy for, like, two weeks, and I, I finally felt better. So this summer camp was, like, two, three-week sessions, and you only got one day off a session. So 
I had my day off with a group of my friends who were very fun, and I was feeling better from my concussion. And we went down to Newport, Rhode Island, and we went to the beach, and we went out for dinner. And I had, like, two drinks. I was the designated driver. And then I didn't drink, and I drove everyone home, and I was feeling totally fine. And then I wake up in the middle of the night in this, like, college dorm room, which is where this summer camp took place. And I, f- I felt really sick. I was, like, sick in my stomach. I, like, didn't know what was going on. I stood up, and I could not, like, I just had vertigo. I had the worst vertigo I'd ever had mm. in my entire life. The walls were spinning. Nothing was in where it should. I, like, stumbled down this hall. I, like, ping-ponged off the wall. I distinctly remember, like, hitting my head and walls. Yikes. And then... I got into the bathroom and I passed out on the floor and I woke up and I was on the floor and I was like, this isn't good. And I think I threw up and then I went back to my room and I, I tried dialing 911 because I thought it had to do with my concussion. I was really freaked out. I tried dialing 911, but I couldn't hit the right buttons. I kept dialing like two. So finally, and my stomach started feeling weird again. And that's when I realized I had, like, shit my pants. Oh, my like, God. Largely shit my pants. <laughs> and I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it happened when I passed out or if it happened when I was trying to call an ambulance. But I went into the bathroom, and I basically, like, tried to, like, get it out of my pants. Oh. <laughs> I put it in the toilet. <laughs> Set that shit on fire. Threw <laughs> it in the trash can, flushed the toilet, went back. I had to like sit down. Finally, I could like punch in 911. An ambulance came. They took me to the hospital. Uh, my parents had to be called. It was a whole big mess. And I was put on fluids, and they determined that I don't really know what happened, but I was okay. It wasn't the concussion getting worse or anything. It was just probably like too early for me to have drank anything yeah. and it was just a shitty decision by me so uh, for context this is it's a smart kids camp so all my students have like taken the psats and scored like a certain level and i have this this floor of little girls who are like 12 to 15 and we do like hall meetings every night <laughs> <laughs> none of them know that i had to like go to the emergency room overnight and that i had like asked out so I'm like, I'm holding this hall meeting the next night and this one like very sassy girl raises her hand and I'm like, yeah, okay, like, is there something that we should address around the hall? And she's like, <laughs> oh no. campus like my boss the one who ran our like RA program got 
contacted by the campus security who had been called and they were like, they thought I had alcohol poisoning that I'd gone to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. And, and so they were like, look, we could, you know, we can get records. Like we will need you to get records from the hospital, but we're, we're like really concerned. We feel like you were probably like intoxicated and like, we're not really sure what you could say to make us think that you weren't just like incredibly intoxicated. And I looked him straight in the eye. And I was oh, like, my, I passed out on the bathroom floor and I shit my pants. <laughs> oh my God. Well done. <laughs> but not to tell you that if it weren't true. And when was the last time like an intoxicated drunk person did that, remembers that and would tell you that. And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, sure. <laughs> cool, go get the hospital records. And, like, the hospital records told me, told them my blood alcohol level was zero. I had no alcohol in my system. So, Yikes. yeah. Wow. Smart kids camp, man. Cutthroat. Dude, smart kids just shitting everywhere. Who's the <laughs> monster that did this? <laughs> and for today's company spotlight. Do you guys ever find yourself wandering around the streets and craving a hoogie? Well then, you should head to my home of Philadelphia and come try out one of our famous Philly cheesesteaks with the onions, of course. Without is for suckers. Don't forget to wash it all down with a nice glass of water. Go find out which cheesesteak wins between the famous rivalry of Pats and Geno's. And last but not least, go birds. And for our final tale of today, it cannot be understated that our customers truly have no idea the things that we encounter once we're on our own. Well, that is until now, of course. Traffic is ultimately one of our arch nemeses, but even for Chad, it didn't stop him from taking care of business during peak DC rush hour traffic. Tell us how it's done, Chad. Um, so this was leading up to my Alaska season. And this is, I had started doing these 11-month seasons. And so this is March. At the end of December, I ran a New Year's Eve trip in New York City. And just kind of stayed on the road. And I had just finished the trip that had done Mardi Gras. Nice. Um, and so, you know, I was coming off this high of, you know, because when you're a tour guide and you get four or five years in, like, all these places kind of become, like, a second home and you kind of have this like special love for these places. So for me getting to do Mardi Gras was a huge part of New Orleans that I had always wanted, but didn't think I'd ever get. Yeah. You know, so I was kind of coming off this high of this trip and dropped them off in New York and I had a couple days. And then I picked up uh, another cross country trip that would go from New York to Los Angeles. And it was all budget lodging. I mean, so, you know, we'd stay in hotels and we'd stay in hostels. So yeah, I picked up my group in New York and, did that kind of first day trip that we're all used to. You pick up in New York, you hit Philly, and then you finish off in D.C. for the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had grown quite comfortable in my Philadelphia days, kind of designed this mural walk that I would take people on because there's a really big mural art scene in yeah, Philadelphia. And there's um, this thing called the Mural Mile, and it's really cool. There's so many beautiful murals to that city, a really good amount of different perspectives, yeah. history. And so I take groups on this long walk, and then we finish at the Terminal Market and get cheesesteaks. Damn straight. Damn straight. And for some reason, never got tired of cheesesteaks. And so, of course, I always ate the cheesesteaks. <laughs> and I never shied away from getting my fill and eating an entire cheesesteak and fries and you know, getting the, the drink to go with it and doing the damn thing right because you got to. Hard and that would come back to haunt me later on in the day. A <laughs> um, little foreshadowing there. Um, 
So got on our way to Washington, D.C., and typically we got to stay in the, the hostel right in downtown, but for some reason that hostel was booked out. And so they put us up near Madams, Oregon. Cool part of town. Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. I was, you know, I was really excited. I hadn't explored that area very much, but in D.C. at the time, the only place we could park was still over at that just god awful lot over by the Walmart and like the shittiest part of town. <laughs> so just to kind of paint you in the picture, if you like blinked an eye, you would pass the turn off to this parking lot and we'd pull into this like parking lot that wasn't guarded, that wasn't gated, that wasn't watched. It was like in a pretty sketch area. You didn't wanna didn't wanna go there at night. You know, I always like locked all my shit up in the trailer. I took anything with me I didn't ever want again. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like packing your life out of this van every time you park it. Like there's a fifty fifty chance of getting broken into. Yep. And so yeah, you know, that's where we had to park. That was the only parking spot we had. And so pulling to DC, um, and unfortunately it was uh, a Friday. I dropped my group off at the hostel, which is up in that really cool neighborhood. But there's no parking up there for vans and trailers. And I had the transit and a silver trailer. So, you know, I'm pretty sizable. Mm-hmm. Not finding anywhere to park. So I dropped my group off, get them checked in. You know, it's first day. So just trying to start, like, set, like, a good time schedule. Trying to, like, give them time. But, like, set expectations. And so I'm like, all right, guys, we're going to do our first day's morning talk. But then you've got your, like, evening talk before you go to dinner together. So I'm like, it's going to take me probably an hour to get back here, if not an hour and a half. So I'm going to give you two hours, and we're going to meet and go get dinner. All right, I'm going to go take the van to park. And So where I'm going from, um, I have to drive clear across the city. It's Friday. It's uh, it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon oh, now. So, rough. you know, traffic's at peak. And uh, get in the van, I just started driving. Didn't think anything of it. Felt great. Didn't feel bad. And about five minutes into my drive, uh, I get the gurgle in my tummy, and that cheesesteak is not happy. <laughs> the gurgle. The gurgle happens. Our and training, our training group ended up calling it, uh, things are changing. <laughs> uh, I, I I immediately knew it was about to be a, a disaster. <clears throat> but again, I'm driving a 30-foot-long vehicle, you know, van and trailer, through D.C., in peak traffic and there, there's no parking spots for that thing like no you can't just pull off and park casually no <sighs> so <laughs> you know i get down to about dupont circle and i'm sweating um <laughs> i physically have beads of sweat rolling down my forehead and i turn on to the main part of the street and i'm like i have another i think it was like another mile and a half to go and i'm sitting here like sweating in the van, just thinking to myself, I'm, what am I? What am I about to do? Like, <laughs> you just really start to just go through your options of like, I can leave the van, like flashers on, parked at a stoplight. Yep. Um, but then uh, you know you start thinking like, I'm in downtown DC, and they deal with like homeless people, and they deal with like people running in and out. They don't have like public restrooms for people here. Oh, like, yeah, that's true. Not gonna find a restaurant and run. Can you use a restroom? And this cheesesteak has made it blatantly obvious that it is coming out it is not hanging tight um let me tell you there's no restroom at that parking lot either like i know in my i know in my heart like even if i get to where i'm parking i still have another 10 minute walk to the closest restroom i can think of and i'm like i I can't walk right now you know i'm (laughs) at the stoplights and you know there's a stoplight every block that i'm hitting because it's rush hour traffic and at every stoplight I am full on, like, I've scooted my seat back, 
and I've got my butt clenched, and I am like, I'm in a full on plank right now. Like my abs are tight. Like I'm in a full plank holding like everything so tight because I know that if I stop for one second, I'm gonna shit in the van. Like <laughs> I'm going to shit on this seat, and I'm going to have this like just terrible, terrible thing I have to explain to the group. Oh uh, my god! Oh my god! So. The next thing that comes into my head is, like, this is happening. And I start looking around my grabbing area, like, if I have to shit in something, what is within arm's reach? Yeah. And I reach down and I grab this bottle of Clorox wipes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I rip the fucking lid off this thing and I pull the wad of these, like, wipes out and Dude. I throw it on the seat. Resourceful. <laughs> And I'm looking at this bottle, and I'm at the stoplight again. And I'm looking at this bottle, <laughs> I'm legitimately contemplating if I can shit into this <laughs> tube that I can barely fit my hand inside. Let me figure out the diameter here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like looking down at this thing, like, is this what my life has truly come to right now? Like having like like a revelation in my head. This is not my life right now. Like this cannot be what I have come to. And oh my God. I, you know, I quickly, I'm like, if I miss this thing, I'm gonna shit in the van, and I'm gonna have to tell the group why the van smells like human yeah. shit. Sure. Guys, I got, so a, I, like, I got a new candle. It didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> Some homeless person broke into the van. For sure. Uh, they shit every. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, I quickly remember that I've got a game box in the back seat, and at the next stoplight, I unbuckle my seatbelt and I jump into the back seat and I grab that Tupperware. And at that moment, I was just so close, and I'm like, I'm another 15 minutes away from this parking lot, and I'm sitting here like I'm gonna make it. And then the next stoplight happens, I go. Oh, I'm not going to make not gonna it. Not going to happen. <laughs> the verbal bust. And I rip the freaking lid off of that Tupperware container and I throw the games into the back of the seat. And at the next stoplight, I, I, I <laughs> scoot my ass over the middle of that transit and I shit in a Tupperware container. You do what you got to do. <laughs> in downtown D.C. at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the afternoon, oh, rush hour okay. traffic, I shit in my van in the middle of in the middle of dc well done and, well done that takes skills you know it's a different set of skills but it's still skills <laughs> you know, i uh you know i i luckily i had this this big old soggy mess of uh wipes on the seat next to me you know i prayed to god i didn't get pulled over by the cops you know i just have like flashbacks of what it was it dumb and dumber where they pee in the bottle and get pulled over yeah. and yeah, the cops like even- count it it's like is that public indecency if you're in your own vehicle what is how does that work i was lucky enough to be wearing like gym shorts that i could like slide down and like scoot over that you know middle compartment where the parking brake was it's times like these where i miss tearaway pants like can we go back can we go back to tearaway shorts (laughs) gym shorts are about as close as it gets nowadays huh disposable underwear yeah. something like that <laughs> oh, God. yeah so that ended up happening uh <laughs> you know and i kind of like got to the parking lot and like threw everything into a trash bag i just kind of sat there with myself i think i cracked a beer maybe and sat in the parking lot there <laughs> for point, like 10 minutes yeah <laughs> like, like just kind of consoling myself that it was okay like <laughs> it just happened um nobody saw and nobody needed to know about this. Um, until now. <laughs> until now. <laughs> until I decided to just broadcast it to the world. And, 
Now I'm going to go meet this group of people, and we're going to have a good time. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Shit happens, you know? Shit happens, Shit happens you know? <laughs> if I am correct, that's the last cheesesteak I had. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you on that one. And would you would you have gone in for another uh, cheesesteak? Absolutely. The enough. They didn't. They weren't completely worth it. <laughs> I've just learned to always keep a Tupperware container in my vehicle. Thank you again for being so brave, my fellow guides, and sharing these not so glamorous tales. It takes guts to spill our guts about these dirty details, and I promise there will be plenty of future episodes highlighting more of the actual glamorous aspects of these jobs too because most days it really didn't feel like work at all i hope you'll join us again for the next episode where we share a few of our crazier tales about how good old mother nature did not always cooperate and again if you or anyone you know have guiding tales to share please reach out on instagram or email nicole at tourguidetalespodcast at gmail.com Until next time, folks.